Welcome to Blanket and Covers, the show where we cover the covers. My name's Danny Getz, and with me as always is John Trainer. What's up, John? Hey Dan, how are you doing? I'm great. I love when we get to do interviews, and we've <laughs> been kind of working on this one, trying to figure out like how to get into this new territory of lo-fi because it keeps coming up on our show. And a lot of the times it's come up with the exact person we're talking to. We have Alien Cake, the producer of Alien Cake Music. When it's, welcome to the show. Very excited to have you. Right, thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so I, I struggled with a way to kind of phrase the, the first question, because like, I know you're here on a, like a condition of anonymity, but like, who are you? What is Alien Cake Music? Not like, tell me your name, but like... What is Alien Cake music? Like the Alien Cake is purely a sort of creative project for my myself and exploring nostalgia and the music I grew up on, but doing it in a fresh way that sort of aligns with kind of where my head's at musically. And um, we started this back in shoot. 2021 as just like I said just a creative experiment just to kind of make some chill music and then as we started experimenting with with covers it was apparent to me that I'm a you know night grew up in the 90s it was apparent to me that if I was going to do covers for for a passion project it had to be some stuff I really love and um I was like cool I got to do some like Nirvana some some Foo Fighters, some Green Day, some stuff from early to mid 90s, some Soundgarden. And then I began like musically messing around with my guitar <laughs> as a guitarist <laughs> and um, seeing obviously the, the grunge music and the punk music and all that stuff from that time is all obviously really guitar generated. And so I just started with some guitar riffs. Then I was like, you know what? This could work lo-fi. And so I just started making some kind of chill, really straightforward beats behind it. And then just filled it in with all sorts of vibey textures, I call it. And then uh, it just kind of fell into a rhythm of creating that. And a couple of our early grunge songs really started getting really good reception. And so after that, we sort of just focused exclusively on um alt like 90s maybe early 2000s and uh there's endless songs to choose from that not only are amazing in their own right but i also really enjoy and it you know ticks the nostalgia box for me personally so it's just like a fun uh passion project and then here we are shoot almost 250 songs later uh still doing it and taking requests uh every week from our youtube and our instagram and just uh really building kind of a, a cool chill almost i want to consider it like an underground audience of people that like it people that do listen to it really seem to enjoy it um but obviously it's not necessarily for everyone and uh yeah here we are and that kind of sums up alien cake i nice. love that i love that because you know when when we when we stumbled on it, right? Like we we try to kind of our whole thing here, right? Is like we'll find a song or an artist, and then we'll go like as deep as we can into just like every cover that has been done of a song and try to kind of attack it from every angle. And a lot of times when you come across 
it's not necessarily lo-fi music only. There's certain styles though where you see there's a lot and it's kind of uh it's all like very homogenous. And so when we came across alien cake music, it like really stood out because you can hear the you can kind of tell that it is focused around the guitar. Um and it sounds a lot more organic and sort of like creative than a lot of other stuff that calls itself lo-fi. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. And first off, thank you, because that's like, <clears throat> excuse me, as like a guitarist and a producer that is pretty passionate about the style of music. It's cool to hear that you hear it like that, like you received it in that way, because it is, we've had a hard time, like, should we call it lo-fi, you know, because yeah. it kind of like tickles the boundaries of, of different things. And then certain tracks I produce from different bands, I might get more edgy. Like we did a Pantera song. I mean, <laughs> and yeah, trying to, heard that one. yeah, trying to create like sort of a, a binding ingredient that people who sit down and might be chilling out or studying or coding or programming can still listen to it. But I didn't want to fit like the sleepy lo-fi genre fully. I wanted to have some of that grunge edge. And so we kind of brought that in and that <laughs> thanks to the guitar, it's pretty easy to bring that in. Um, so yeah, I think that's a big thing for me is uh, to find some sort of creative aspect in it because not to be self-centered or anything, but as someone who's producing it, it would get pretty redundant if I wasn't, you know, if I was just making stuff that didn't have some sort of me kind of sprinkled on top of it. So that felt right. And I'm glad that you kind of heard it that way. Totally. Yeah. We, we've come across a few kind of lo-fi cover factory kind of things that are just like, oh, the song was top 10 ever. We're going to put it out. But none of them have been nearly as engaging as just kind of listening through your playlist of just everything. It's just like, oh, every now and then you'll hear something. It's like, oh, what is that riff? Oh, it's she. It's a Green Day song. No yeah. one's touched that one. And it's yeah. such a great take on it. Yeah. Yeah. It also doesn't like like yeah like you said like some of the factory ones they so they'll like take the hook or they'll take the you know something like really recognizable and then kind of boil it all down like a lot of times it feels like some of these interpretations like come at it from an angle that i wouldn't expect or you see the song title and you're like okay yeah yeah i know that song and you're like waiting to hear it and like i don't know if it, and then all of a sudden you hear uh sometimes it's not even like a yeah like a main hook it's like I don't know, like counter melody or something <laughs> but yeah, in an yeah. interesting way. And you're like, oh my God, that's, yeah, that's, that's creep. Like you would have expected it to be something totally different, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a slide guitar playing the Tom yeah. York's vocal melody. And it's crazy because it's like, that's the closest thing. I was like, man, if I'm going to do like Tom York's so expressive in the way that he sings. And I'm like, I can't just sit here and do like a jazz guitar tone, kind of like what most lo-fi stuff might kind of go down that realm and, and yeah. play something just kind of boppy. And I was like, ah, it's not going to work. So I broke out a slide guitar and just got expressive with Tom York and then, or with his voice. And then after that, it's like decorating the track around it. But yeah, and that to me, like you guys said, you know, there's you you listen to the playlist and you're kind of like, wait a second, like number one, I don't know how this song came out after two minutes. I can finally figure out what it is. Or number two, dang, this is kind of a more obscure song. 
not like really obscure <laughs> to be honest but yeah. well like something that's more... like in the back of your head right it's like oh, yeah. i thought about this song in so long like when people think of green day she isn't the first song that pops out of their head but <laughs> man there's like if you grew up with the dookie album she was like bang it that was <laughs> that was oh every every time something from dookie or from smash came up on here i was just like oh this is perfect like yeah, this is exactly right. where my head needs to be right now this is great yeah, yeah. we're your exact right. demographic growing up in the 90s you know exactly and that's kind of what like unintentionally we arrived there because again like i said it's just something that just it was a passion project because a little bit about me is i am a producer um prior to that i studied music composition and um did a bunch of different stuff and actually a bunch of different jazz stuff some composition stuff Ended up working with a lot of hip hop artists, did some sort of pop crossover stuff, did a bunch of stuff for various labels, various artists. And I kind of got, I don't want to say burnt out, but I feel like that like glow, that creative glow was starting to kind of fade and I needed something to, to kind of reignite it. And thankfully, you know, just started screwing around with this alien cake stuff. And it really became something that just completely replenished me creatively you know and i think part of that is nostalgia like yeah like you said smash or or dookie revisiting those albums and just feeling so good about it and saying what can i do to make this stuff like sound like me but also be fresh for a lot of people get get down to it while they're they're studying or coding and or gaming or whatever and that's how we got here yeah i love that it's you awesome to have I... something to pull you out of uh like a burnout like that it's like I, I do comedy and for a long time I was just kind of producing shows for other people and helping other people kind of achieve their goals in comedy. And then along comes, shameless plug, the tour I'm going on this summer starts on the 11th, which is two days after this comes out. So if you're in New England, go check out Ghosted. But like, <laughs> it's a show that like forces you to write and all of a sudden like this in the moment writing was like pulling me out and I was like, Oh, there's like a, a new passion in an old thing. It's it's so great when you can find that. Right. Dude, comedy, yeah. uh, like props to you. That's gotta be such <laughs> a such a hard thing. Like, a lot respect. of waves. <laughs> but it's crazy because I can see there's like an element of improvisation, kind of like what jazz music would be when I was studying jazz back in the day. And there was a, a lot of uh crossover with how comedians shape their their performances that there's like an outline and a, and a map, but you got to be able to just roll the punches and kind of shape it in any direction, you know, that it tends to want to go. And uh, yeah, man, cheers to that. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it is definitely a lot of just kind of letting, letting the experience guide you instead of trying to like guide it. So like, that's, it's a very fun thing to do, but it also is exhausting and takes a toll. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I bet. Like, I was very interested going through... Are you actively working with collaborators, or are all of these planetary names just versions of what you do? Yeah, so that kind of brings us into the anonymity of it all. And it is all me. Um, and a big reason we started with the anonymity is because we weren't quite well first off we didn't have a big budget to to build like a physical image or like a brand around one person and we didn't necessarily know what 
sound or what genre we were planning to fit into. Um, we knew it kind of would be in the overall grand, like lo-fi umbrella, but we didn't know kind of what direction, for example, if we were going to go more really relaxing type stuff for nighttime vibes, or if we were going to go more like boom bap stuff that you can, uh, you know, start your day with like coffee type music, or if we're going to go with more like pushing a little more in the creative direction. So we created a handful of like Elias's and what I, my goal was, I was like, I'm going to create 10 tracks in sort of each little sub genre like that. And then for each sub genre, we'll kind of create a planetary name <laughs> because that was our theme. We knew alien cake was the overarching um, name of the project, but we were kind of at the beginning, we were experimenting with different artist names and it completely just correlated with different um subgenres if you will so plutonomous was more like if you can imagine like pink floyd lo-fi really that that was gonna be my next question yeah it was like because like i'm I'm very new to lo-fi so like if i were to just pull out all plutonomous like would that be like a specific playlist to itself kind of thing yeah i think I think you would find, so especially within our first 100 songs, because in the first 100 songs, that was the route we took. And then after that, I started to find the sound and it was a little bit less important to, you know, release under uh, Venus Millions, which you'll see there might not be a song released under Venus Millions for six months because I primarily utilize Alien Cake music as the the prime artist and i use earthting and teddy mercury as our main ones now because they're sort of like i broke it down to two characters where teddy mercury is like the lo-fi og hip-hop feel and then earthting has the grungy guitars in it so a lot (laughs) and almost all my all my releases lately have been that sound so i've all the our last shoot probably 20 releases have been alien cake music with earthing and teddy mercury or plutonymous so those are kind of the ones that we've stuck with there was one called hugo mars and <laughs> that was more I like, like that like, <laughs> yeah it was it was more like uh youthful hip-hop and then there venus millions is more like spacey piano it was like the piano player if you will so all my piano okay. stuff was given to that at first so really it was just sorting some things out and experimenting and um yeah, they're still there. We still release under them other ones on occasion, but mainly Alien Cake, since we've devised that sound, or I guess I should say kind of concocted that sound over experimentation. We just kind of have been in that lane for a minute now. We'll probably be sticking straightforward, which is Alien Cake as our primary artist. All right. I love that. I love a little lore. <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that's kind of what drew us in in the first place. Because we we first came across you on the Sex and Candy episode. I want to say, oh yeah, and we were like kind of swept up in it. And oh. as we're like trying to do like, because we we had like the basics. Because we we do like twenty to thirty songs an episode, so it's just like, oh, this is who they are. This is what they do. Here's where to find more kind of thing. And as we were talking about it we kept trying to do more and more research and we're just like now who is this character what is this thing like how <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was, it was awesome just, it's got it's kind of how we got here <laughs> yeah and going through i mean like i remember i think maybe we had to cut a bunch of it out but dan and i went pretty deep into it <laughs> yeah. we were like this is amazing oh my gosh they do this song oh my gosh they do that song oh my gosh awesome. and then yeah the more you listen to it it's like you start yeah you kind of what you're saying like you hear that uh the creativity in it 
and you're like, oh, this isn't just a, yeah, a factory of 90s grunge songs, even necessarily for nostalgia. Because um, like it says, you know, it says, you say, you know, to to code to or to study to, but like, honestly, I tried working to it and I <laughs> could not, it's like too interesting. <laughs> so I, could, I like, hear you. Feels I, like spacey, I feel the same you know? way. Yeah, I feel like, the same way, but I don't know if that's just me <laughs> because my brain's so active with the music of it. And I think about that too, like, especially initially, I was so governed by that when we were experimenting with the other sounds in the beginning, it was, I was more governed by what's the listener going to feel from this, you know, but then now it's like, how can I make this song like and do it justice in a way that feels right if it has to get edgy like if i'm doing a nine inch nails song it's got to have some edge you know or yeah, yeah um or sometimes it's quite the opposite it's like this song or like all green day songs have such a beautiful melody like if you just sit down with like a piano and play a green day song it's like the most beautiful it's like a lullaby every single one of them so then when you turn it into there's so many different ways you can go about creating the the vibe on a tra on a Green Day track. Um, and same with Nirvana. I did the whole Nevermind album from start to finish. And that was crazy because some of the songs like Territorial Pissings, it gets really, really grimy. And I was like, how can yeah. I do the complete opposite, but still do the melody and the chords justice? And so it's a good challenge and it's kind of fun. Actually, it's really you probably fun. almost have to because with like yeah. lo-fi kind of layers, it would get really messy if you went for what they did. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, sometimes you should right? see like <laughs> when I'm crafting a session, like especially those, they take a lot of time because I might have like 64 tracks at one point. And then I'm like, yeah, this is too much. I don't need I don't need 16 guitar tracks like like they may have done on their record. So then I'll it's like a chiseling away point. So then yeah. I'm like, ah. This one shouldn't have taken me this long, but you know what? I had to get rid of all those layers and turn it into something a little bit more <laughs> kind of lo-fi-esque because yeah, I'm going pure metal on this. You know, I had to kind of check yeah. myself. Yeah, or like so, you, you chip away uh, at you chip away at all the pieces of the song that are like recognizable, right? You like find that this is one of the things I talk about all the time. <laughs> but like I love talking about this yeah, because like obviously you get it you've done this like 200 times uh but like you know when you find an interesting cover of a song to me i like it makes me hear that original song differently either hearing a different aspect of it that's being highlighted or uh it's done in a style that i'm familiar with or not familiar with and it's making me think of, of, about different things of like the composition of the song or the way it's performed um and that's like one of the things i really appreciate about alien cake music that Every, each time I listen to like I I don't know I probably just spent a day just you know kind of having it on the back and the yeah. more the more you know another song comes on and when I recognize it it's such a, a click moment and then when I go back and listen to that original song for a lot of these I'm like I'm hearing things I didn't hear before in the original you know yeah 100% I mean and and I also did okay computer radiohead from front to back and that was I almost gave up like at one point I was like what am I doing man because that lot. album yeah. that album's untouchable but like, it's like one of those things where I'm like am I just like pissing on this or am I like doing something cool with it and then I had to like chill for a second and just recognize that those songs in themselves like the bare bones chords and melodies and structures of them are are so beautiful that like I can go minimal on it and it's still going to turn out good. And I got through doing that, but part of it was just like popping on headphones and listening to that album like 10 times and 
listening to all all of Johnny's weird textures and yeah. like all the weird guitar parts that are just intertwined with everything else and trying to pick out okay what what is actually going to like make its way through on like a sort of slimmed down version of this and it's it's actually really fun because then sometimes i'll have three or four different versions of one song and then it's a matter of oh man like i might start changing the chords um or i might go back and be like no nah, i need to i need to change not a guitar on this but let's make this a piano part so it is definitely like a rediscovery like you said of all those beautiful original elements in that original song and trying to find a way to make it kind of come to life in a new way if i can you know yeah totally i love that so i I want to ask you a little more about that, but before we get into kind of the general approach to covers and thoughts on covers, I had one more Alien Cake specific question I wanted to ask that I, I didn't even run past John because I, I forgot to. <laughs> um, what What is Alien Cake Rain Sounds? Where does that come from? So that was something where I was sitting there at night searching on Spotify, like for, it was... Uh, like dead of winter. It was too quiet. I couldn't fall asleep. I wanted some sort of like ambiance to sleep to. And like, I just kept finding to my taste. I couldn't find anything that was like really cool. Like you type in meditation music and it's just like, ugh, it's all pretty stale. There's nothing cool yeah. happening. Um, or you put in rain music and it's, it's just rain and that's yeah, it's cool. It's just the storm. Yeah. It's just, which is awesome. And it's so right. That's cool. But oh, if that's I'm what like, you're looking for. Yeah. It works. Yeah. But the rain sounds is just an experiment. It's like, what if like those classic riffs take you down this nostalgic sort of walk with rain on top of it? And so we just started doing that not long ago. And then before I released any of it, I just made a playlist for myself and I slept to it. I was like, all right, cool. This worked for me. This is kind of what I was looking for. And I was like, let's just see what we do. So then I... um did a bunch of those the guitar riffs from a lot of the songs we've done lo-fi but we made it more of just like guitar and rain or the piano parts and rain just to kind of get a different texture around it to explore yeah, the, cool. the first one i haven't this yet i gotta check yeah. this out <laughs> the, the first one i hit play on was the 1979 one and i was like oh this is really cool <laughs> like oh it's so I, chill I didn't realize it was part of a playlist even when I when I started playing it and it goes through like glycerin and I, I forget what came after it but uh I I got to Champagne Supernova which was like a couple tracks after oh, it and it's like yeah. oh I I I don't I didn't even realize how long I'd just been sitting there experiencing it. It was, it was like a really cool moment. It's funny you mentioned Champagne Supernova because you know how that song starts with the watery oh, that, yeah that weird yeah, water flow yeah. thing yeah that was the main inspiration the idea behind it was actually oh really <laughs> yes exactly and they got That's that awesome. kind of that organ ish sound fading in and then oh it's just such a cool i was like that right there if i could just freeze that like 15 seconds but make it like six hours to sleep to <laughs> i I used to hate all those weird parts of that song because I always wanted to put it on mixtapes for people and it was just ruined by like the long outro and the weird water intro. Like there was nowhere to put it where anything could work with it except for Oasis. Right. <laughs> but I, I want to get into the covers because that is why we're here. I'll get your just kind of general takes. We're moving, moving into that. 
when when you hear a cover what what clicks for you to like this is good like like what what's a good cover versus a bad cover like style wise oh, not like specifics yeah. so there's two ways to do it and i've done a lot in different genres over my life so there's two ways to do it there's one way to try to recreate it as close as possible to the original be that like if it's a seal song finding a vocalist that sounds like seal or something or if it's a christina aguilera song finding someone who's really melismatic and trying to attack that element of it sort of like in a way trying to showcase the talent of the artist in relation to a famous artist like show the talent of the cover artist in relation to the famous artist that's one yeah, way to do near it. the pedestal <laughs> yeah exactly and that is really good and sometimes really rewarding for not only the artist doing the cover, but also for the listeners, because it's like, whoa, like if you see an acoustic stripped down version of someone just killing like a Bieber song with all his weird in inflections or, or hell, a Nirvana song with all of Kurt Cobain's like grime in their voice. That is awesome. However, the other way of doing it is more I guess the compositional approach that I think we kind of fall into with Alien Cake more so is sort of looking at the music and interpreting the chords, the melody, the overall feel, mood of the song, and then taking it to new places. Some extremes might be like jazz renditions where they go off and improvise over a chord progression. That might be like a Radiohead chord progression. You hear that sometimes. Those are the hardest for our show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that band yeah. plus does yeah, uh, yeah. john and i will sit and listen to six minutes just so we can get like the quick melody so we can be like see that's where it was now everybody we're good Frizzell. we can move on oh, <laughs> Bill Frizzell. Frizzell. oh yeah he, he's on the so show good. all the time yeah Dude, and his like americana stuff he does is untouchable because he goes so far in that direction where but it's so good where you're just like oh so somewhere yeah, I in the came middle. into this not knowing him, and now I'm a massive fan because of his cover. Like that's oh, he's he's one of my favorite guitar players, like all time. Seen him like three times and just like pissed myself because I'm like, what is he doing? His his language is so <laughs> unique. So yeah, that's the complete other end of the spectrum. And I think what makes it good or bad is the ability to deliver whatever that objective was. So if someone's singing some Christina Aguilera stuff at ease that's going to be a good cover, you know, or if someone's doing some out there stuff like Frizzell is doing or the bad plus, but like doing the song and the melody justice, I think that's yeah. a good cover. I think where you start to talk about a bad cover is the worst thing for me from like a musical perspective is when someone's just playing the damn chords wrong, for example, you know, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. like that's frustrating. And, but not blatantly, not like bad plus style. It's like close <laughs> enough. Yeah, where it might yeah. just be like, oh, that's not a C chord. That's actually like, you know, that's a G. But, you know, that that aspect, I think, is what starts to to make it less good. Um, and then bad would obviously be something where one of two things, it just wasn't didn't deliver on whatever the goals were or two, the intentions behind it were kind of wrong. Like you said, there's some like factories, if you like, yeah, and maybe lo-fi factories, for example. Some of them do some pretty cool stuff and some of them, you know, it's it's obviously a lot of them were put together in a really short amount of time without much thought put into the the original song in itself. So it kind of loses that that magic 
So that the strange thing yeah. with those for me is because when we're doing like individual song episodes, we'll come across the individual song, and like to each one, they're they're fine. They're they're good, serviceable. Some are like really good. And then when you explore further into the band, you realize that they're doing that same really good thing over and over and over. They're like, yeah. oh well, it's not really good if you're just doing the same trick every time. Right. And then that usually, yeah, in the end will become one that you classify as a bad cover or a collection of bad covers because... Yeah, even if you went in with good feelings. Right. One or two of them might have been awesome because that initial time that that was created probably felt right and aligned with that song, but it might not apply to, to a different song. Hey, friends and weirdos, I'm Meg. And I'm Alyssa, and we're the hosts over at the podcast, Real Chills. Do you love the unexplained? Do you listen closer for things that go bump in the night? If so, Real Chills podcast is for you. The best part is all our stories are true. You can check us out on Spotify. And if you have a story you'd like to share, email us at realchillspodcast at gmail.com. It's interesting you talk about uh, about you know a, a cover that really matches the original or like an aspect of the original. That's something that I think Dan and I differ on a little bit. Where I have a I have a harder time appreciating those just because they sound so much like the original. It's like technically impressive, but it's you know there's not as much for me to grab onto. Um, I think listening to you to kind of describe it makes me think there's something there that I'm just not getting yet that I need to I need to push on some more. Yeah, I. I I, I do appreciate you put it into better words than I ever have. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I agree because I think my initial reaction is is the musical one. So maybe appreciating the technician behind the person singing the really complicated song. So I have an appreciation yeah. because of that. But but there's also like I have to be less of a critical listener a lot of times and just be a bit more you know passive and. And that time, I think I aligned with you in the sense that like, well, I'd almost rather hear the original than a cover a lot of times. Yeah. And a part of that to me is also the production of it too. Like for example, I don't know, like a Pink Floyd song or something. You you listen to that verse, like in it just like if you see a Roger Waters doing it just with an acoustic guitar, it's really awesome. But dude, you got to go put on Dark Side of the Moon and hear it as it, and that yeah. texture. So there's like the producer nerd of me that's like an acoustic cover. <laughs> in that regard, I, I always almost initially am deterred from it. But the yeah. technician, you know, in me is like, I can appreciate the fact that that person just pulled that off. So yeah, it's kind of like both sides of it. I mean, the, yeah. the big place where we, we differ in opinion is singing competition shows <laughs> where... Like for, that's a perfect example though because they're yeah. like for me i i perfect. love the mask singer i i love the mask singer i love the performances i love the novelty of it it's it's great but yeah i understand on paper why it wouldn't be like the the person in me who grew up listening to like punk rock and rock and roll thinks it's very stupid and very bad but then you see like a bear belting out some classic hits by the like the best singers of all time and you're like 
I got something from this. There, there's value <laughs> in this like on the nose version. <laughs> oh, I get there, it. But take it back to like the voice. We're like, these are like excellent singers. I mean, I, I think well, I don't know. I'm not the like voice that. is mostly professionals. Yeah, that's what I mean, though. They're like very good singers. They're like nailing whatever the song they're trying to do is. And I hear it. And I'm just like, maybe I don't have the ear to to really tell what it is that they're doing and why it's really impressive. Both times I'll hear it. And I'm just like, they sound great. That's a very talented singer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't really want to listen for, for to that. It's, it's very boring when they don't have any sort of original texture, if they're just doing the thing. But if you can kind of get a feel for what makes them unique and like in the midst of this thing that they're like perfectly nailing, that's when I'm like, all right, there's something something here. Right. Yeah. Like if someone's gonna do like Bill Withers or something and my absolute favorite singer of all time. Oh, untouchable, man. But when someone can do that, like in an effortless, natural way, I think that's the trick. Like yeah. they're, they didn't have to like really try that hard to do it. Do you, like, like they found their wheelhouse in the cover realm and they just murder, you know, and it's so good. Like that's, a, I, I agree with you on that. Like I can really get into that. Like those shows, I could sit there and be like jaw dropped at, a particular singer but the overall context am i going to sit down and watch the voice season after season i'm probably not the the guy to to do that but i know what you mean yeah the the thing i will say for all of them of all the people who have blown me away on any of these shows i have never listened to a single one of them outside of the show clarkson <laughs> <laughs> listen to Kelly yeah. Clarkson, right? I have listened to a bunch of her covers because yeah, I yeah. work in a house where the grandmother's always watching her show and she does a cover like once a week. Oh, <laughs> Kelly Clarkson's so good. She Lambert. rules. Lambert's on that Frozen, does one of those Frozen songs. Her oh, Lambert. that's right. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't think, I, I don't oh, think yeah. I've heard that. That's the thing. They kind of like sneak these huge hits totally. in there. And you're like, oh, wait, they were on The Voice. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, Carrie but Underwood, not... right? Carrie Underwood? Yeah. Well, it's oh. like a... Jennifer Hudson. And Jennifer she's a, Hudson. She's a credit card spokesman or whatever now, but at one point she was a really good singer. <laughs> right. She probably wails. She probably does cool like private gigs or stuff like oh, that. I bet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she has her niche. And yeah. So I don't it's interesting. It's a good, really good discussion to talk about what makes a good cover, what makes a bad cover, because everyone's got their own sort of like feel on it. You know, there's the people that are just like, oh covers are stupid and there's the people that like their their spotify wrapped is all cover artists you know it's just like yeah it's interesting yeah the, yeah, I mean, the weirdest part we about it this song when we pitched this uh, show to to other artists and even friends and the folks who think may be interested they're like really it's just covers it's all it's all you talk about it's just covers and it's it's nice to it's nice to talk to somebody who gets it you know <laughs> yeah for sure like yeah. the the part that that I keep coming back to that keeps this show like fun and interesting for me is how often I disagree with myself. That like I have these hard line opinions, and then I'll hear things that are totally the opposite of what I just said, and I'm like, this is great though. Like, yeah, for sure. So you you were talking about it a little bit with the the Radiohead covers. How do you know when you have like three different versions of it that you're working on that like this is the one that's the right track for me to follow? Like, like what what it is a, what is it about it that like 
keeps you going in that direction versus the other one. Man. Um, you can oh. just say vibes if that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try not to be that simple. Like, <laughs> that is the answer. Yeah, the vibe. But there's something... Okay, so a lot of times it might be like, I thought at first this cool guitar part was going to do the job. And then I've done it, laid it down, recorded it, and I'm like, ah, it's not enough. So then I want to, this is a telltale sign for me that I'm going in the wrong direction. Then I want to add more layers of the same instrument. Okay, and I start doing it and I'm thickening it up, but it's still not moving in a direction or it's starting to get cloudy. So the I, what I always notice is the more time, it's like after that like two hour mark, if I'm not at a point where I'm like, I know exactly where this is going, I can wrap this up in another few hours. Then I know, all right, I probably got to go back to the drawing board. And that's just from doing so many over and over again. But from back in my earlier days, I would have spent three or four days a week trying to continue on what my first initial impression was until I get to it. And then I might get somewhere or not, but the more I've done it, I realize if I'm a couple hours in and it's not wrapping up, I'm on the wrong direction. And that's usually where I know to turn around and take something out, rebuild a part, do something like that. How often when you're like getting after a song, do you have to have that kind of kill your darling moment of like, this is the thing that got me started on this one, but like, it's not going to stay. Yeah, probably like, probably less lately, but it's so weird. I go in phases and it was really crazy. Is it directly like what I listen to? I go in phases of what I listen to. I, I go back and I just like bang out nostalgia stuff for like a month or I go and I get into like, I don't know, tech house. Cause I went out to some, event and there was this dj that killed it it's not even related to the style that i typically do or i get hired from a, a different label or for some artists to do a different genre so i start going down these wormholes of that so for me it's like whenever i enter sort of a new phase that's where i notice i start having drawbacks more because i think what's happening is i'm sort of reinventing the process of how i make the alien cake music because of those different different infiltrations of like different genres coming into me and like wanting to make themselves out into alien cake mm -hmm. stuff. And so I have to pull back and sort of reassess where I'm going with it. But usually every month or every couple of months, it can usually go pretty good without many setbacks happening. I was going to say, do you like let yourself go down those roads or do you have find yourself having to like pull it back to kind of the, the main drag where you started I'll go in phases. Like if you were to listen sequentially to all of Alien Cake's releases, not that I would say to do <laughs> to do that, but <laughs> if if I did that, if I sit down and was like, let's just see kind of where the progression's been, I can definitely hear, like technically from the person, you know, the production side of things, I could technically hear where I'm experimenting with new techniques. And mm -hmm. sometimes those things take me into to new, new approaches or new sounds that are like money that really carry me into to doing a, a new fresh sort of approach on something and then other times it's just like all right i could tell i tried that out it stuck for a track or two and then i kind of 
pull back, pull the lever back a bit on it. And I think sometimes it's more so like how intense do I want to get versus um, I don't want to distract the listener because I know this isn't the type of music where it can get too distracting. But again, it's like, I don't want to go too fall too far back to where I'm falling into sort of the, the washed up kind of low, lo-fi sound, not to, not to talk trash on anything, but to not you know fall into the more boring category. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know, I know totally. I mean, that kind of experimentation though, like, I wonder if that's maybe why this all feels a little different, feels like more creative, like you are more interested in trying new things and then, you know, yeah, take, getting, going somewhere you didn't expect, right? Right. And I think the awesome thing for me and the most rewarding thing is the fact that I'm able to do that because it's like, it's a project where I, I have complete creative control. I'm not answering to another label. I'm not answering to an artist. I'm, I'm working with under my own limitations and you know it's very 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 rewarding to do that and if some tracks don't turn out so good it's it's all good because it was you know experimenting yeah. a new avenue or something but totally but yeah i think that's it like <laughs> i suppose being anonymous helps that too right i'm sorry you can, i said i said i suppose being anonymous helps as well or you can experiment a little more you can kind of, you really have total creative control of no one's trying to influence you. Yeah. And that, that again, that takes right back to why we started with the anonymity because we were exploring with different subgenres. And then it, it was the best way to do it. Like we knew then it would probably be the best way to do it. But now, even more so than ever, it, it's the best way to do it because there's, I mean, music is ever evolving. You know, genres are always coming and going. So having something that is a bit anonymous allows it to sort of stay a bit creative in that realm, you know, and be able to kind of adapt when it feels right. Not because of genre um, is telling you to adapt, but more so because the creativity, the voice, like like I said before, if my creative light is dimming, I might need to, to shift focus into something else. And having it, the anonymity to do that to me, it feels more free to do it like that. Have you found that you're kind of beholden to the project? Because I, I imagine when you're in an experimental state with a lot of these songs that you'll you'll hit on things that like, oh, that's really cool, but I it just doesn't work for Alien Cake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. But I think that the the idea for me is when I come when I come into the Alien Cake project, I I kind of turn on that side of me, I guess. Okay. I don't know how to say that without. But pretty much, it's it's like showing up. It's like showing up to to work and clocking in and having a job to do. There is that aspect of it, and. I work well in that environment. So if I'm noodling around and some weird stuff comes out, that it's not really the woodshed for the alien cake stuff. So I don't typically give myself too much room to get too far out there and crazy with stuff. But 100%, I get out there with different genres and different stuff and you you know work with other artists. I never stopped doing that. It's just a matter of knowing when to reel it in to 
make it alien cake versus not alien cake, if that makes sense. But if alien cake was the only thing I ever did and the only thing I ever touched, I think I'd run into that problem much more. Yeah, I mean, I've I have my fingers in a lot of different weird creative things, and so often like like the focus is required on this one thing, and all of a sudden like the peripheral thought for everything else just starts going, and I can't <laughs> can't really address these things. I can't get to them yet. So like the the frustration for that, I for me is just massive all the time. But like it's right. good. It's driving frustration, but it is frustration. Yeah. No, I feel you. Yeah, but like, you know, you, you but you come into a project knowing what the project is and what your role in that project is. And that's really the only way you you can achieve any sort of like end result, you know, that, that you're going to be pleased with or whoever you're working with is going to be pleased with, you know. And for Alien Cake, it's like I walk into that with that mindset knowing, all right, cool. Here's my parameters. I set these limitations. Let's stretch it and see how far I can go with it while it still fits within this this cool like lo-fi-esque nostalgic realm you know so i have one more question i i want to ask it's one I, I like asking in all of our interviews with people who have kind of done done covers and had multiple attempts and are there ones that you just like they're on the list and you just haven't figured out how to crack them yet I'm sorry. I think the audio it just froze on me. Yeah, Could you, you ask me that? You broke oh, it for us a little bit. I, I watched right. it happen. I was just hoping it would come oh. back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was me. Asked that question. It felt really good. It was coming I'll, in. And then you I'm froze. just going to take it from the beginning and hope I have a clean edit. <laughs> All right. So are, are there songs that are like on your list, either from like people's requests or just from your own personal taste that you you want to get to and you just haven't figured out how to crack them yet oh yes all the time like if i'm listening back on you know what actually took me a really long time to get into hold i'm pulling up something really quick because i need to reference my next question was going to be what's the top of the list but you don't have to tell us if it's (laughs) exactly so for the longest time I didn't do Alice in Chains stuff. And I don't really know why. It was just so... I don't know why. But when I started doing it, I realized why. But I couldn't like explain why. There's just something in a lot of Alice in Chains songs that are... Like... How do I say like southern twangy vocal harmonies, almost like gospel driven in his voice? If you really get down to how that guy's singing, how Lane was singing back in in those days, and I was that southern almost gospel aspect that infiltrates that music, almost like southern rock meets grunge meets like I don't care about anything and I'll say whatever the f if I want, was hard for me to translate into this genre, but. I feel like one song, the first one I did by them was Rooster. And oh, I was pretty happy song. with that's how... such a good song. <laughs> oh, it's such a good song. And I was pretty happy with it. And then it took me, shoot, almost a year to do another one by them. And I did Down in a Hole. And I just found that just fell like out of me really naturally. So for some reason, I had the hardest time with getting to the point where Alice and Chains felt right. And then the other one... It's not really grunge, but it was Deftones. 
and because i can imagine that one being weird right yeah it already has that like spacey sound a little bit (laughs) and and chino's voice is so like he goes out of tune in the most perfect way or like how it's so specific i know so like if you're going to sit down and play that at at a piano what he's singing at a piano it just doesn't work half the time so it took me a minute but then when i started to get it i was like ah cool so i did a couple I think two or three Deftone songs I, I've been able to do now, but it's always, always a process. And then the other one, I'll stop waffling on about it, but the other one would be Tool. So Tool is going to be huge. <laughs> yeah. Because in the same way, I imagine. It's not yeah. very relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like the problem is, is they're like 11 minute songs. So <laughs> it's like, yeah. what, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to trim this down to work? But I did um, 46 and two. And really? uh, yeah, I narrowed down because since that was such a popular song, it had singable elements and it was very almost like formulaic that I could like easily cut sections out or shorten them and it would still work. And that was enjoyable, but I haven't done a tool song since then because I'm like, oh man. Yeah. That's oh yeah. If I'm you want to go deep on tool, they're all going to get harder. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> it's just I like want to do imagine. schism. It's so it's hard fun. to imagine. It's like such an iconic. Uh you know, melody. And yeah, it's hard to imagine. I forget how big that song was, but like you said the first syllable of the word and all of a sudden the song just like took over my brain. I want to listen to Rooster now. I don't think I've actually come across that one yet. Um, Yeah. Thinking about it, it feels sort of the same where like, yeah, like you said, like Lane, the way he sings so big, like all the pieces feel so big with the guitar and the vocals that like, uh, how do you make that feel a little bit more relaxed than like in the background? Like, yeah. I can't wait to see. And it's crazy because I think for some people, it'd probably be really easy. But for me, I guess that music was just so impactful to me when I first heard it, like as a budding musician, like learning yeah. guitar and listening to that. It was, there's something so strong about that music. I think that was also part of it was my own emotional connection with that. But then you mix in all, like, I'm telling you, there's like gospel elements to it. If you really listen to it, think about that, like choir almost, but, but way different, his own approach. And that, for some reason, I was just like, how am I going to get under that? And <laughs> how am I going to do that? Yeah. You know? I don't so. envy the task for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've kept you long enough here, but we do still have to talk about the, the one specific song, because we're going to do an Everlong episode, and we want to kind of chunk this little section out and put it in into that episode. So what what are your just kind of initial thoughts on Everlong? Oh, uh, well, the music video for me. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's one of my Iconic. all-time favorites. Dude, yeah. that, well, Black Hole the Sun. The big hands. And... Yeah. yeah. Black Hole Sun is number one. I can watch that any day and still feel weird as shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Everlong is just, yeah, the hands, like the, the, I feel like as far as I had seen when I first saw that video, I wasn't seeing like video techniques like that. And I was so yeah. perplexed. And then listening to the song at the point it came out, I was, you know, a kid and getting into guitar and getting into like all that like my first band probably and just like appreciating the sound the production how big those guitars sound and just like 
the like the the drop detuning, just like that that effect it had. So that song, I mean, it almost it's almost hit the billion streams club, I think, on Spotify. Like, so oh, I think it, I think it just did, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's got to be. Like, it's one of those songs that every I don't know anybody who doesn't like that song, and the melody is so awesome and like strong yet simple the guitar riff is like iconic so it was probably one of the first 10 sort of like grunge-esque songs that i did with uh with the alien cake project and that one came out pretty naturally because it was just like almost made to be turned into a slow <laughs> rendition yeah oh yeah <laughs> like I, I remember hearing I mean, it was years after, but they put out their acoustic version of it. And yeah. it was just like, okay, yeah, this is the same kind of iconic song. But like, I'm, it was the first time I kind of even thought of it outside of its own initial context. That I was like, oh, this, this, there's a life to this song that I've just not really given it. That like, now I'm seeing it for like, its impact on people. Right. Yeah, it's one of the songs that actually turns out just as good acoustic as it does the full produced version. Not a lot do turn out well. Yeah, very that. few, very few kind of equal each other to me. And this one's the maybe the closest any of them come anymore. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. It's just like un, undeniably the song in itself, the guts, like if it's just notated out on paper and you gave it to a music student, it's going to like the sound, the song speaks, you know, it's so good. So I feel like any genre, you could do a cover and make it work with that song. Which is why we're doing an episode on it. <laughs> so I, I, I struggle with a, a good way to frame this question, but like, what is the scenario where you see your version being the right one versus the original? Like when, when should people put on yours versus just listening to the Foo Fighters. Oh man. Oh God. I don't know if there's... I know that's a difficult thing to ask. Well I don't but... know if there's a time like to like what's what's I the setting you would I can take a set okay. if you want. All right, John, let's so I know I know go. when I would. I I know well, what yeah for, for me I can picture it. My short answer would be if you if you aren't a lyric person and you just want some sort of instrumental version there you go that would be the one that's my short answer john what do you got i i feel like every time i listen to alien cake music especially everlong it's like i'm in a room it's it's way after midnight there's black light posters i'm like <laughs> i'm gonna say 16 to 20 somewhere <laughs> in between there Maybe it's not my house. You know what I mean? Like that's that's how I I'm in a beanbag chair. Like that's how I feel. Yes. <laughs> oh wow. I, I was kind of going in a song. different direction with it. Cause for for me, it's more like adult me. Cause like kid me has so much stuff tied to the original. Like I I was a massive Foo Fighters fan for a very long time. And like still am. And like I, I just don't talk about it as much. But like Cause like I don't need to anymore. At that point, it was just Dave Grohl doing cool stuff all by himself, and it was like, y'all should be watching this. This is cool. Like I, I know you all know right. him, but I don't think you're paying the right attention. Right. Like, like, like big, big me when that song came out, I was just like, like I, I was instantly a Foo Fighters fan. I was like, Nirvana who? Like I don't care about this anymore. Like this is, <laughs> this is what my life needed. Nirvana's great. 
this is what my life needed. And then yeah. like color and the shape comes out and it's like, holy shit, like this is amazing. Dude, next level. Next level. But then like I, I think about all the things that come from the original where it's like that that video is why I went and watched Evil Dead. I had I, I saw it in that order. It's why I'm even aware of Michel Gondry and I've seen every one of his movies. Yeah. So much is tied to that. That like me as an adult doesn't necessarily wanna like clue into that every time I hear the song. So if I'm just like sitting around with people and like, you know, maybe maybe a whiskey drink. Uh, I don't know if it's a if it's a whiskey song a exactly, drink. but that's yeah, maybe a lager drink. I don't know. I get but like down. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> like I, I think I think it's a whiskey song. But like it's just one of those where like I don't want to feel all of it, but I do like the general feeling I get from it. That's that's kind of what I was getting from this one. Yeah, man, so well said. Because it's like it tickles the nostalgia, but not too strong. Like yeah, I it, feel it puts you, you there, but you're not songs. getting all of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like when I go and listen to Nirvana MTV Unplugged, I I can't. I can only do that like once a year because it's so. Oh, I have a few of those. Yeah, you know what I mean. But I'd be more enlightened to listen to you know Nevermind or the actual album versions or potential cool renditions of it. So I feel you there, like going all the way back or like there's albums that I just beat to death listening to that it's hard to open them back up because I know when I open the, those albums back up and listen, I'm going to be listening to it on repeat for a month. And I don't know if I want yeah, to do it. You know? It's not just the next hour of your life. It's the next, you know, at least a week, maybe a month, maybe two, like you're, exactly. you're back there for a while. <laughs> right. Good answer, though. I feel you. Like, I, I agree with that 100%. I think, yeah, you answered that way better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you won. <laughs> so, yes. that, that's that, that's basically all we need to say about Everlong. Unless you have some kind of less, less thoughts you want to, before we kind of throw back to our, our regular episode here. Uh, do, yeah, I guess, do you have any other things you want to say about this song specifically? Um, no, it's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the last thing I'll say about it is I, I thought it was very interesting when we put it to you of like, is there a song you'd want to to do? And John and I had already talked about doing an Everlong episode. And when we first started listening to your music, it was one of the ones that we both kind of went straight to and both agreed on like right away. And that was yeah. one of the two songs that you suggested and was like, this is just like, serendipity this is perfect like sweet it's just definitely one of my favorite that we've done is alien cake like if it pops up on somewhere like on my spotify or something i'm, I'm not mad about it i'm like a oh, cool <laughs> i'll listen that yeah. I, I, I had it happen earlier where it was the song that i had left off on listening and i just kind of opened spotify and it started auto playing and i kind of wasn't prepared for it to start and i was like oh this is nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> Thank you, Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> so the the one last thing, I guess, uh, John, if if you want to ask, because this is more more for you than me, because I, I I'm still not all the way in on lo-fi. John's way more way more interested in it, so he wanted to to ask you for a little assistance. Yeah, yeah. I want to know, like, you know, now that you've been in lo-fi for a bit, like, what is what do you look for in a lo-fi group? Like, do you have a favorite lo-fi group you'd recommend somebody oh, who's you know just yes. starting to get into it? Oh yeah. I mean, to me, there's like, there's a couple different distinct 
types of lo-fi. There's like the lo-fi easy going that you hear when you're at the coffee shop, like more boom, bat, like boom, like straight hip hop, but just mm-hmm. kind of like instrumental hip hop. And that's cool, but that's actually not my favorite kind <laughs> personally. But if you're like a coder or studying at a coffee shop or whatever, that's, I think, the type to go for. Alien Cake falls more into the more, uh, I guess, like the colorful type of of lo-fi. That's a little bit more abstract. It kind of puts you in your head a bit. Like you said, you have a hard time working or doing things with yeah. it because you feel like it gets a little bit interesting. So my biggest inspiration is one, two, like W-U-N hyphen T-W-O, one, two. He's insane. It's like the coolest, weirdest stuff. And you'll like, and if you go to like the Teddy Mercury profile, that's kind of like who I was very heavily inspired with. One, two was like, you know, Teddy Mercury's got to be like as cool as this guy. And that, um, there is another nomadic was a guy I got into K N O W. M-A-D-I-C. I would say you got to listen to those two guys. Just like they have so much music out and it's all really awesome. Like they've, they're creative in how they're doing it. You can tell. That's awesome. I say start there and then go to, if you are Spotify users, go to that artist radio and just let, let that play out a minute and see if you're getting stuff in that vibe. And you'll find a bunch of, a whole different wing of lo-fi stuff that I think, is more close to what some of like the early lo-fi guys were, were kind of doing. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for the recommendations. Yeah. I hope, I hope yeah. folks go out and, and check those out. We'll, we'll try to pull some, uh, for the episodes something that at least strikes me. <laughs> yeah. Cool guys. So yeah, that was a, a fantastic conversation. I thank you so much for, for doing this for us. This was yes, great. Thank you. Oh. It's been great talking to you guys. I appreciate yeah. you taking out the time to hang and shoot some questions at me. And uh, yeah, it's cool. I appreciate what you guys are doing, giving some life to some covers and uh, yeah, Everlong so the, rocks. <laughs> the, the last question is just the one to uh, play us out. Is there a song that you'd like us to play as like the outro to the episode? Oh. Hmm. Feel free you to tell me that. <laughs> yeah, you could do Everlong or you could do just your fate. If you guys like Alien Cake stuff, you pick one you dig. And I'm so happy with anyone you choose. Excellent. Well, okay. here's She by Green Day. <laughs> yeah. We talked Rock about it earlier. We'll, we'll play We'll play out to that one. Thank you so much, everybody else. We will be back in, well, if you're listening to this part of it, we'll be back in a week with whatever we're doing next. We didn't decide yet. So, uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs>